Amen. Um, I know this is weird, but uh, do you, would you mind just, just playing just a little bit? Uh, just what you've been doing. I want to talk, but you just go ahead and play a little bit. At some point between now and when I quit, you can stop. Is that all right? Okay. And I may even turn around before I, I have in my mind, but I, I don't know. There's just something about music that just sort of keeps us in a, in a frame of mind. David was a wonderful musician. David was, he played, the Bible said he played skillfully. And he, and everybody that he gathered in played skillfully. And when they had a worship session, it, they worshiped. David played when he had nobody else. He played with his harp out in the field when nobody else was there except him and God and, and the sheep. He had church, and, uh, and it soothed him. Matter of fact, Saul, in Saul's heyday, when the enemy would come in and try to confuse him, when the enemy would try to come in and try to torment him, he would go get David. And he said, you bring David and bring his harp and let him play before me. And it would calm him. It has a calming effect on us. Uh, you may be an individual that don't care anything about music, and, and I, I understand that, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes in our prayer time, we just need to get a tape on our CD and just listen to it and just, 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 just get lost in the presence of God. Have you ever been lost in his presence? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where time doesn't mean anything anymore? Things that you, that you thought was important doesn't seem important anymore? Just getting lost in his presence. I'm not talking about... Uh, I, hope you don't, I hope you don't feel bad about me what I'm fixing to say because I'm Church of God, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, I'll be Pentecostal probably till I die. But I, I, I feel like I have moved beyond, and please don't take this wrong, but I have moved beyond, Sister Mary, in this thing about the emotional shout all the time. There's more to it than that. So much more. The shout... As you heard me say over and over again, will not, Brother Keith, take me through the storm. It will not. It won't. But my relationship will. For me to get up here and speak in tongues for an hour will not take me through the storm. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. But I'd rather speak in a known tongue so the church can be edified. Now, so the church can grow. So the church can mature. So the church can be strengthened. You understand what I'm trying to say? I'm not opposed with the tongues. I love it. I do it. I speak in that language that God has given us. And it's my, it's my, it's my language between me and God until God's ready to speak like he spoke tonight. I can't say that I've always shouted. I'm not a shouter. I might jump up and down every now and then. But I ain't a shouter. Yes, I take after Dad. He wasn't no shouter. I have saw him shout before, though. <laughs> but there's more, Sister Mavis, than just that. It, it, and it's, it's a deeper walk. It's a deeper level in, in your walk with God. And that's where we need to go. I think really when Dr. Tommy, these last three months, has been talking about discerning the voice of God. Really, that's, that's what he's talking about. That we can get to the place where we can, we can listen and we can hear that voice. The still, small voice of the Holy Spirit of the Lord when he speaks to us quietly in those quiet moments. We're so busy so often. We get so wrapped up in ourself. 
we get so wrapped up in our daily activities that we don't have time to listen to God anymore. And I and I and I'm a you know I'm a I'm a fault of that is of myself. There's days I'll come to church and and you know this that I've told you before that my day will be planned for me just with one phone call. Those are the moments I have no time. It seems like to listen to God. I don't like that, but I enjoy getting alone with God and just where nobody else is there. Jesus pulled away at times. He had to get away from the crowd, from the noise, from all the activities that was going on. And uh, I think last week I, we started this, this lesson on the book of James, and, I, and we, we read here in this, this second verse here that, that where, where James talked about, my brothers count it all joy when you fall into temptation, diverse temptation. And I showed you, those of you that was here last week, you remember what I said. I showed you, I tried to show you the difference between joy and pure joy. Y'all remember that? Now, I'm not going to do that tonight. If you wasn't here last week, then you just missed it. And I'm glad nobody was recording it because I knew it would be on Facebook if they, if they were. But you remember, I stood over here and I put a little smile on my face and we joy and I marched, marched over here and pure joy. Dr. Tommy, I just cut a rug and got a fit. You know, I just danced all around, you know, that's the only way I could describe what pure, pure joy, but even more than that, really. But when we understand what the pure relationship is with God, then I have a feeling that every day that you wake up, you just long to be there with him. You long for that time that you've set, I've got to get with him. You long for that session, if you want to call it that, or that time frame that you've set aside just to get along with God. Now, I know we, 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 we're with God all the time. I get that. But that special time when you're just with God and his word and, and his spirit and his, his voice that he speaks to you. And then when he shows up like he has showed up tonight, then you don't want to be so quick to hurry. You want to slow down a little bit because that is where growth comes. That It really is. That's where the growth will come. It, it, you'll be strengthened. It'll put, it'll put meat on your bones, so to speak. We talked a little bit about last Sunday about James and about counting it all joy and all of that. And many of you remember last, last week that this book here, the book of James, was talking to a people that was in trouble. Early church, but they, they were dealing with things such as pride. They were dealing with things such as greed. They were dealing with things such as lust and discrimination. Sounds like who we are today, doesn't it? It's exactly where we are. They were dealing with hypocrisy in the church, with backbiting in the church, with, with worldliness within the church, all of these kind of things. James tells us, and I'll get to that in a few weeks, in James 2 and 26, where it says, faith without works is dead. Everybody's been given a measure of faith, but if you don't have no works to it, it's dead. And so uh, they, they were having some issues with that. We go on in the book of James, it talks about he was rebuking the, the, the rich within this, within this group of people here. Uh, he, tell, he tells us to be patient, to take courage, those kind of things, you know. And then he said, in that verse 2, count it all joy when you, when, you, when you face trials. Now, just that statement alone sort of is a weird statement. How do I have joy when I face a trial? Because if we're in our right mind, nobody likes trials. I don't. Nobody likes those difficult moments in life. Nobody enjoys those, those times, but every one of us has been there, right? But the Bible says, count it joy, pure joy. 
whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces a perseverance or a patience. And then he goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work. So that lets me know that patience is a process. How many can identify? <laughs> patience is a process that we, that we go through. That you may be mature, that you may be complete. But it finishes off that sentence when it says that you, you will not lack anything when this happens. When I finally get to that place where, Sister Mabel, my faith has worked out my patience and got me straight, that I'm not going to lack nothing. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know, you know, if I'm going to be a certain age or I've got a whatever, but when I get there, I will lack nothing. One translation says, count it, uh, consider it pure joy. One translation says, count it all joy. But needless to say, we've got to count it joy when we face trials. Testing. Nobody wins a race without you have to be trained. There's a test that you have to go through. The preparation in itself sometimes is the trial that we walk through. It's, it's preparing you, if you will. The trial itself is strengthening you, if you will. The persecution that we feel like that we are, are going through is the, is the test that God is taking us on this road so that we can be strengthened, that we can develop that perseverance, that we can develop that patience, we can develop all those things. How many knows and agrees with me that trying to live like a child of God while not being a child of God can be very stressful? It frustrates you. It can. Man, it'll be, you'll have sadness and bitterness and all these kind of things. And when I, when, I, when I say I'm a child of God, but I ain't acting like one and are, doing, are living that life, Brother Larry, it'll, it'll frustrate me. That's why John 15 says we've got to stay connected to the vine, a true vine. We're the branches. He's the vine. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Now, how's our fruit tonight? Are we bearing fruit? Everywhere that you go, just what you said, Brother Keith, are we, are we doing what God wants us to do? Are we bearing that that God has given us? Are we sharing that that God has given us? Or are we just soaking it in all the time? Because if you're just constantly soaking it in all the time, you're not bearing anything. Not bearing anything. I don't like to grow a tomato plant if I get no tomatoes. The vine or the, or the bush will grow and it'll have all the, the, what looks like a tomato plant, but it has no fruit. I've grew several of them. Get no fruit. No fresh tomatoes. Something's not right with that. The same way with you and I as a child of God, if we're, if we're, if we're growing in Christ, then there has to be fruit along with it. This is where we mess up sometimes. This is where we get our life off of kilter sometimes because we go to church, we pay our tithe, we sing in the choir, we do all those necessity churchy things. We go to a church that has padded pews and has carpet on the floor and, and Brother Caleb you know, plays wonderfully up there and Sister Michelle plays wonderfully and all these churchy things. But that ain't what I'm talking about. If we really want to get 
serious about it, if we didn't have any of that stuff, we ought to still be able to bear fruit as a child of God. We still ought to have a relationship as a child of God where it's an intimate thing and we long to be in his presence. We long to be at the feet of Jesus. He goes on to say, if you don't, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and branches are to be picked up and thrown in the fire. Goes right along with, with the, whole, the whole thing as far as our relationship with God in the sense of if there is a heaven to gain, there's a hell to shun. And, and we looked at those trials. We looked at, that, uh, we looked at the, us living in the midst of that. We know that 2 Timothy tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful in teaching. It's useful for rebuking. It's useful for correcting. It's useful for training. It's useful for righteousness. It's useful for the things, Sister Carol, that I need in my life, those ingredients that I need to strengthen me and to grow. It's needed. We have to have it. This letter was written to these Christians that was in trouble. It was going through all these kind of things. And it applies really to every one of us. Don't you look with me, if you will, in verse number 13. Caleb, I love you playing. If you, if you feel comfortable, just keep on. If you don't, then that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'll, I'll leave it to you. Put, it, put that monkey on your back. But I like it. Verse 13 says in chapter 1, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Because every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creature. Now listen to this. So then, my beloved brother, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. We have it the opposite in our nature and our culture today. We're swift to speak and slow to hear. But that's not what the word said. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Now, I'm not trying to get on to anybody, but the next time you want to go off on somebody, you're not producing righteousness by doing that. I've had the feelings just like you have. I've wanted to go off on folk, and sometimes church folk. But it doesn't produce righteousness. I've had folks to call me, and they'll get to fussing and complaining. And to be honest with you, I, I'm, just, I'm just being honest with you. As a pastor, I sometimes I have the phone to my ear, Sister Mavis, and I don't have a clue what to say. I don't. They're wanting me to agree with them, but I don't agree with them. And if I agree with them, I know I'm going to go against error with the, God, what the Word of God says. But I know if I do agree with them, I'm not producing any righteousness in me or them. I'm not helping them whatsoever. And I say, you know what? I don't have a clue what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know what you want from me. It's almost like you're calling me trying to validate you. 
And what you're doing is not right. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's not right. <clears throat> and so the wrath of man doesn't produce righteousness. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness, overflow of weakness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I don't know what that means to you, but that means to me, if I, can just, if I can get his word in me, I'll be saved. If I can get the word of God, that true, pure word of God in me and living within me, Dad, I can, I can be strengthened, I can mature. I can grow in him, amen. I can grow. Not only does Christians face trials in life, Verse 13 tells us that Christians is going to face temptations as well. Every one of us do. Verse 13 also said, you know, does God, God doesn't tempt anybody to sin. But God desires that every Christian is to be like him, be like Jesus Christ, who is holy, therefore he, he can't sin. So we have to attempt to be like him each and every day. Some days is more difficult than others, Right? Some days it's easy to live Christ-like. I mean, it just seems to flow. I like those days. I like those days when everything is clicking and everything is going together and the puzzle is put together just like it's supposed to. And boy, everything, everybody I meet is having a, having a, a word from the Lord. I like it, but then there's other days. There ain't nothing working. I mean, temptations come and trials come and wrath is coming and you want to beat somebody, slap to death coming and you know, those are the days that we have to be concerned about. Every, everybody is susceptible to temptation. That includes us. That includes you. Everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been in the faith. I don't care who, what, what, what department you serve in in church. Even from me down, we all are susceptible to temptation. But temptation is not a sin. But if we are drawn away by that temptation, it leads to sin, and it is sin, and it produces a death within us. We know from the Word that Jesus Christ never sinned, but he was tempted by the devil. We read that many times. And so the question is, then how do temptations become sin? In verse 15, the Bible says, when desires to sin is conceived, it gives birth to sin, James tells us. What that means is, is because people are a fallen creature who are inherited, who inherited that sin from, a, from that Adam nature, and that Eve nature. Every person has an inner desire. You were born in sin. Nobody had to tell you when to do bad. It automatically come. Ain't nobody had to tell my kids when to do bad. They just done it. That's why mom and daddy was there to correct them. That's why the parents is there, to discipline them. That's why there are guardians and older people that is watching them along the way. Every person. So if a person gives in to that desire, then that desire becomes a sin. Verse 16 is the key here to this passage. The Bible says that Christians are deceived when they, when they sin. Why? Because in verse 17 it says when they sin, they're saying no to God's good gift from heaven. The Bible tells us that God gives good gifts to his kids, right? Gives good gifts 
to his kids. We know how to give good gifts to our kids. We do it every Christmas time or birthday time. You've done it to Karen and I Sunday. You give us good gifts. We know how to give good gifts. But when a Christian sin, they're saying no to God's good and perfect gifts. And so we have to avoid sinning because the sin is the deception. The thing we've got to understand with the enemy, the enemy has not changed over all of these years from day one. He's still trying to deceive people. He's still trying. If he can tell you this to get you to believe this, then you'll be deceived. If he can use somebody else to deceive you, he'll use somebody else. If he can use this gossip over here or this this look over here or whatever the case may be, he's still trying to deceive his people. And what his job is, he wants to divide and conquer the church. That's why it's so important that you and I must be in unity together. Does that mean we have to agree together? No, not all the time. But we must be in unity together in order for the presence of God to move and to flow and to work and to come in like we desire him to come in, like he did tonight. We desire his presence. Sister Marion, there's nothing more important than when he is there. That's all all there is. Again, Brother Parker, (laughs) keep bringing him up. That's all there is. Got to be there. Got to be in his presence. And so if, if, if we sin, then we're saying no to God's... Now, we may not do it with our mouth, We may not be thinking that's that's what we're doing, but that's actually what we're doing. We're saying no. So we've got to avoid that because sin may look and feel good, but if it's not from God, we know that it's ugly and we know that it's wrong. I heard a song the other day. It's a new song, I guess. You may know the the name of it. I don't know. I've been humming on it. It simply says this. There's nothing so dirty that God can't make worthy. Isn't that cool? Really? There's nothing so dirty that God can't turn it around and make worthy. He did it to you. He did it to me. He took us in our sin, in our ugliness, in our filthiness, in our dirtiness, and turned us around. We don't need to be deceived. Don't need to be deceived. So how can we fight sin? Two phrases in verse 17 and 18. If you want to write these down, I don't think I, I don't know that I have them up on the screen, but if you want to write these down, there's two phrases that I help Christians fight sin. The first thing is this. Whatever God gives, we have to know that it's good. But God, I don't, I don't like what you're giving me there, but it's still good. That's not the decision, God, that I really wanted you to say, but God gave it, so it's good. That's really not the direction I wanted to go, but if God gave it, it is good and it's perfect. And the second thing is this, and there, this, is, this is what's important. There is a birth that'll happen when you get into the word of God and the word of truth, there's a birth that'll take place. You're talking about discerning the voice of God? Get into the word of God and let something be birthed within you. All these women around here that's had babies, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You was, when, that, when, that, when that baby come to term and you was ready for that child to come out, for that child to be born, for that child to be birthed, and when that child was birthed, and you looked at that child, and that was the most beautifulest thing you ever laid your eyes on. 
whether it was a boy, whether it was a girl, whatever the case may be, it had all that mucus and all that stuff all over it, but to you it still was the most beautiful thing. You've given birth to that, and you begin to love that child. You begin to cherish that child. You begin to care for that child, and some of you are still caring for that child. Such a wonderful picture of the Word of God and what it does in our hearts when it can be birthed within us. John 3.16 tells us that Jesus is the greatest gift ever. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his only begotten son. Only one he had. John 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And so when the word is birthed within us, you're talking about a change that'll take place. You're talking about an explosion that'll take place in our heart and in our walk with God. It'll take place. People can only fight sin with Christ. You can't fight it any other way. Can't fight it any other way. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. I take the Word. I look at the Word. I read the Word. I eat the Word. I sleep with the Word. I hide the Word in my heart. I go to bed with the Word. I get up with the Word. It's the Word of God that's going to carry me, strengthen me. A person may be good, and a person may even be religious. But if you don't truly believe in Christ as their only God and as their only Savior, then really you're still dead in your sin. Now, don't show your hands, but let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever, have ever met some good and even religious folk? I have but they were dead in their sin. They were dead in their sin. Rebirth to God will only happen through the belief in Christ as Lord. He has to mean something to you. He has to mean something. He has to mean something. There has to be a relationship there, a longing there, if you will, a longing, if you will. You've heard me tell this before, but this last Know that one trip to Honduras that we went on, Sister Carol, that we stayed those, what was it, 7 to 14, 17 days, whatever it was, it was a long time. That was the first time, now I'd been, we'd went before, but I, and I missed Karen, but I hadn't missed her like I did that time. I got to longing to see her, Brother Tommy. I got to longing to see my grandchild. I mean, it was such a longing to where we went to that. You remember when we come down off the mountain the second time and we got to that gas station? You've done the same thing, I think. But I, we finally got cell service. And I got Karen on the phone and all I could do was cry. I couldn't talk because I, I listened to her voice. Excuse me for getting emotional here, but I want, to, I want to make a point to you. I enjoyed hearing her voice on the other end of that line. It was like I wasn't, I was several hundred miles away from home, but I was home just because I listened, I heard it. I wonder how many times have we longed to hear the voice of God and nothing, we had to, we had to hear him. We had to hear him. It was something that was deep within inside of us that we had to know. James here is trying to help us here understand you've got to have the word of God living in you. You've got to have the birth of that word, that word of truth that's living in you if you're going to fight this thing called sin. You've got to have it. We have to have it. And if we've never believed in Christ, then we don't know what we're missing. 
If we, if we just do the, do the traditional churchy thing, because that's what you're supposed to do, then we're missing the whole thing. We're missing the whole thing. Jesus is looking for some folk that can come before him with humility. He's looking for some folks that can come to him with a holiness. He's looking for some folks that can come to him with an obedience in, his, in, in our hearts and grow, be strengthened. It's hard to mess up that formula. Just come before him openly, pure. He sees your ugliness anyway. You make it hide it from me. I'm not talking about ugly on the outside. I'm talking about ugliness on the inside. He sees it already. You can hide it from me and you can pretty yourself up on the outside and I can be fooled. But he's not fooled. He's not fooled. But what, I, what happens so often is, is we, get, we get this formula of, of me and Jesus and we get Bible and then we start adding things to those three things. We'll, we start adding people's perspective. And we start reading these Christian books. And, and don't get me wrong here, I, I, I like them too. But all of them is not accurate. You've got to back it all up with the Word of God. And we get all that involved with it. And then we, we start getting a little down and out and we start looking at the hypocrisy within the church. And we get messed up. And when you, when you mix all of that, and that's just two or three things, but when you mix all of that up with that little simple formula, you, you're messed up. You can't have, you might have joy, but you don't have the pure joy. You might have word, but you ain't got pure word. You might have happiness, but you ain't got pure happiness. You might have a head knowledge, but you ain't got a heart knowledge. You may have a walk, but you don't know really what the walk is all about. You're just walking. You're just, you're just exercising, really. But when you and I desire pure, eternal, living water, the Bible says in John, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow, what? Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. There's, there's nothing, again, there's nothing as important as a relationship with Christ as it pertains to the book of James here trying to help us in order to get rid of some of this stuff, these weights, if you will, that so easily at times beset us, that so easily at times entangle us, that so easily at times, Sister Parker, just trips us up. And we wonder, Lord, what in the world did I do? Why did I say that? Why did I go that direction? What happened? Because it's the weight of that sin that is entangling us. And we leave the truth of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. And we go our own way when we're led away by our own desires. And if you've heard nothing else I've said tonight or nothing else the Spirit has said, then hear this. If... if if you're here tonight and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your walk with God, your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, you, you, need, to, you need to make sure it's right. You need to make sure it's right. We're not promised tomorrow. Not promised tomorrow. This life that you're living, 
It's just a vapor. We're just passing through. This is not our home. This is not our home. This is just temporary. I've got a home in glory awaiting me. I've got a home in glory awaiting me. And, I, and there's family and friends and loved ones and, that we all want to see, but there's Jesus that we want to see. When we behold him, when we look to him, who is our author, who is our finisher, who is our keeper, who is our Jehovah, who is our God. And if we can ever get this as the child of God in, 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 our, in our nation today, in our culture today, if we can ever, if we can ever work on our relationship, here, here's what I wanted to do. The service didn't go that way, and, and probably it's a good thing because the Lord, he, he may not want me to do this. But I was thinking sitting there as Caleb was, was singing the first song or the second song, I was just going to get up here and I said, hey, have you worked on your relationship with Christ this past week? And then I was going to close my Bible and say, let's go to the house. I'll see you Sunday morning. Now, I wasn't going to do that, but you didn't know that. But think about that, have you? Have you really worked on your relationship with Christ this past week? Have you spent some time with him this past week? Have you just got alone with him this past week? Have you longed to be in his presence? Like I was explaining, I longed to hear Karen's voice. And I got her on the phone and I managed to say hello and that was it. She had to wait a little while and she began to say, what's, what's wrong? What's wrong? I couldn't even answer what's wrong. I'm sure she probably figured on the other end, my Lord, something done happened to the boy. You know, he's over in another country. What's wrong? I just don't want to hear your voice. Do we long to hear the voice of God? Do we long just to sup with him? Do we long just to be with him? I, this, is, this service has really gone totally, Brother Tommy, even different than I, I had planned tonight, but that's okay. This is a God thing. And I hope and pray that for us, even for those of us that's not here, that our walk with God can become so much sweeter, so much better than where we are today. I want my walk to be better than what it is today. I do. I really do. But I know, Sister Ruth, in order to do that, I've got to get with him. If Sister Val has told me one time, she's told me a thousand times, you need to get along with God. You need to get along with God. You need to get away for two days and just get with him. Several years ago, and I'm going to close with this. I know I'm past my time. Several years ago, Sister Sandy Austin, some of y'all remember Sandy coming to church here. She sat back here in the second and third row. She said, Brother Danny, I want you to come here. I said, God laid something on my heart I want you to do. She put, a bunch of, she put uh, some money in my hand. She said, God told me to give you this, and he, t- she, he told me to tell you to get away for two days and don't take nothing with you except his word and him. Well, some clothes, but, you know, get away. That's the first time, Sister Mavis, I ever remember actually doing that. I hadn't done it since. Now, I've, I've taken a little time, but I'm not like that. But, I, but I, got me, I found me a cabin in Van Buren, Arkansas, up on a little mountain. They had no phone. They had no heat in the building. This is at wintertime. They had no heat in the building. It was just a fireplace. And nobody was up there. And I drove over to Van Buren one, one late afternoon. And I, and I remember getting in, in that little cabin, starting me a fire, 
And I remember saying, I said, okay, God, I'm here. Now what do we do? I've I just been honest. I went, I went in eight before I went to the cabin because I purposed in my mind, while I'm there those two days, I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat anything. Didn't take nothing with me. I ate when I, before I got there. But when I got there, I said, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? He didn't say nothing. I've got to be honest with you. got my Bible out, and I read it. Nothing came. I got down to pray. Nothing happened. Went to bed that night. Nothing happened. Woke up the next morning and had a whole day to do the same thing. Got out, got walking around that little mountain. Nobody was there. I got to praying, walking around, thinking, and all of a sudden God's beginning to move. I went back to the little cabin that afternoon, and God gave me about four or five sermons that afternoon that I just hand-wrote, just wrote them out. And I began to pray and bask in his presence. And I'm, I'm confessing a little bit something to you tonight. Every time Sister Val tells me that you need to get along with God, I think back to that little Van Buren trip. Nobody, most of y'all didn't even know that I went. It was just during the week. Just took off and went. But God spoke to me there. That was my little mountain, if you will, where I met God. And he began to speak and began to show me things. Begin to open up some things in my life. At that time, Brother Larry, I didn't know, but I don't now. I'm just, I'm just letting us know how important it is. You don't have to go away to Van Buren on the top of a little mountain. You get in your closet somewhere, but just get along with God and develop that walk, develop that relationship with God that you need. And, and you will begin, I promise you, won't you, you'll begin to hear his voice. You'll begin to discern his voice against the enemy's voice. You'll automatically know, oh, that ain't God. Hey, voice, that ain't, that ain't, that ain't my God. You need to go on. But when God speaks, you begin to know that it's God. And he'll speak to you. Father, what a joy it is to be in your house tonight. I thank you for, for what we have felt here tonight. I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that sometimes you had to get me out of the way and get us out of the way so you can move in. A little different tonight, but that's okay. This is, this is where... This is what needs to happen. We need to get along with you. We need to be intimate with you. We need to build our relationship with you. God, just like you begin to speak with me on that little mountain in Van Buren, I pray that you begin to speak to these people tonight. Even in their sleep, oh God, give them dreams. Speak words of truth into their heart. Don't let them be deceived. We live in a day that many are leaving the faith. Don't let us do that. Let us hold on to you. Let us pull close to you. Gather us together under your wing tonight, we pray. Hide us, O oh God, in the cleft of the rock. Hide us, O oh God, and speak to us. Show us, O oh Lord, the direction you want us to go. All these outside forces we come against, all these outside things that even the book of James is talking to the church here that they were hindered by. God, help us to stay connected to you. Let us stay connected to the vine. Let us stay connected where you can feed us and grow us and strengthen us, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.